0: Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast, where we chat with some of our pals and industry friends. Today's podcast is brought to you by Script Anatomy, LA's most industry-focused TV writing school taught entirely by working writers. Script Anatomy students have gone on to win fellowships, secure top representation, and land their first writing jobs on numerous network and cable shows. Be sure to visit their website at scriptanatomy.com for more info. Uh, and we're here today at the SMW Country Diner in Culver City, so I apologize in advance. Uh, for the breakfasty background sound. Um, our guest today is a graduate of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program, one of the Humanitas new voice winners and a new staff writer on NCIS New Orleans. Welcome Greta Heinz, Hey, how's
1: it going?
0: Good. Um, so we're gonna have breakfast.
1: Sounds good.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, and there's a lot to talk about. A lot has happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of late. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I guess we'll just start at the sort of beginning. You are, um, were in the CBS Writer's Mentor Program. Yep. And now you are a staff writer on NCIS New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, I, I know the, the mentoring programs try to place you, but it, it, you still have to take all the showrunner meetings. I mean, I'm, I'm, the network side's probably a little bit streamlined because you know a lot of those executives, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, although maybe covering execs, maybe not as much. I don't know. But maybe we can get into how that process went for you. I mean, going from, you know, a, an aspirant to actually right. a show. Because not all writers get placed on shows and not all writers stick and, yeah. Know,
1: Well, um, I think it starts with the fact that that CBS is not one of the programs that guarantees you get staffed right out of the gate. I think they focus on trying to make sure that you have the skills to go into a meeting and to actually impress the person and convince them that you're not crazy and not freeze up and not get nervous and do all these things. So, um, that's kind of like the bottom line of the program and you go through several weeks of workshops of just getting comfortable in these interview situations now they do try to have you shadow in a room and one of their shows and um, then they try to set you up but that doesn't necessarily always work and in my particular case it was like one of those typical situations where like the moon is in the seventh house and everything just kind of comes together because I switched managers um, in December of last year and I ended up with Madhouse Entertainment great people and they're fucking amazing yeah. sorry can I say that
0: yeah probably not um, well in okay. their case we'll make an exception <laughs> all right good
1: <laughs> um and so I switched to those guys and then I got into the CBS program and then um it just kind of like was like on mentioned that there might be a slot opener in NCIS New Orleans now Robin Meisinger, who's one of the managers mm-hmm. of Madhouse, is Jeffrey Lieber's manager since forever. Right. And so it was really a, a collaboration of my managers and the people from CBS trying to get me in front of him and I went there and I interviewed and he's an incredibly nice guy. Oh yeah. And then they, I, I guess at some point they all kind of signed, signed off on me um, because I convinced them that I wasn't crazy, I guess. <laughs> We'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, specifically, because I mean, granted, right now it's still November, yep. you know, staffing season, still months away. But it'll come very, very. Good. So for those writers out there who are, you know, looking to go out for staffing mm-hmm. meetings this year, you have to get started now. It's not something yep. you can wait till oh, staffing season in March, I'll start in February. No, you have to lay the groundwork, start taking the meetings, start, you know, yep. getting everything, you know, in order now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those who have never been in a showrunner meeting, those who've never taken yeah. an executive, what are those like? What are some of the questions that are? And I know it's it's totally dependent on the showrunner of yeah. what they're looking for and what they're vibing up, you know. But I mean, what are some of the standard questions if you've gotten in some of these meetings?
1: Um. Well, I. I mean, there's there's definitely standard questions, but I'll, I I think there's actually some value. In trying to kind of like take charge of the meeting yourself and and kind of anticipate the questions a little bit and and point it in a specific direction so I mean like the first opener is usually like kind of tell me about yourself and then you better have an interesting answer that goes beyond well I graduated from UCLA which I didn't Um, and then thank you and then because you're a staff writer, they're not going to, I don't think any showrunner is going to be like, so tell me about your skills and about your experience and all that, like, because you don't have any. So um, I think it's really about the personal connection and showing that you prepare for the show and the meeting and that you know the show and that you have interesting things to say about it. Um, maybe you have a couple of questions. So it's it's really more of that and I think the most important thing though is that you kind of um, don't freeze up and put your sale pitch out there because every showrunner is different and like I know with Jeffrey when I met with him he was incredibly nice and like instantly we were just chatting which right. was super casual but then I also met showrunners who are a little intimidating at first not out of you know ill will but like right. just by, by nature of what they've accomplished and the way they carry themselves so then you freeze up a little bit and <laughs> and then uh, you try to like stumble through sales pitch and you realize that you're losing them mm-hmm. so I think it, it's really more about like a personal connection
0: Oh, absolutely. And,
1: and, and doing that rather than trying to stumble through the questions. Right. Does that answer the question? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so preparing, if you talk about salesmen, preparing yeah. for a showrunner meeting, mm-hmm. what what do you prepare? Uh, how much do you have, to, how in-depth in the show do you need to get? I mean, mm-hmm. granted, uh, you're coming on to sort of that weird hybrid of, you know, a, you know, a show that's new-ish, mm-hmm. uh, but still has a huge history. Although I'm sure you didn't have to delve into oh, the third episode of the, you know, right. the, the flagship series, you know, right, right, uh, right. the mothership, so to speak. Uh, what do you think about this? You know, I'm sure it was a little bit looser than that. Yeah. the well, types of, of mythology you needed to you know for the show. Yeah.
1: Well, I. I mean, I think. Um you always want to put your best foot forward and especially in my case that was like my big shot so it wasn't like I was interviewing every day for another show Mm -hmm. so I literally like I heard that I was going on the interview and I had basically 36 hours and I watched 24 episodes of the show (laughs) in that time Right. and I I asked for some scripts and I read some scripts and I tried to find things that I can relate to, which is important if you're a woman from Bavaria, um, how can you relate to a show that takes right. place in New Orleans, like figure that out and figure out where your voice factors in, uh-huh. and then maybe, um, there were two or three episodes to me that stood out, and, and so I kind of like prepared myself to say nice things about that or acknowledge a certain thing and then also what I think is important, depending on who your showrunner is and what your show is, like, be aware of, of what's happening current.
0: Right. So, like,
1: the, the night before I went into the interview, uh, an episode aired that got a lot of feedback um, on social media. Oh. So I came in in the morning, and I was able to just say something about it and instantly show that I had cared enough to read the news in the morning and the feed, Facebook feeds and the Twitter feeds and all that. So that's something I prepare. Um, But I also prepare much more about the showrunner, just to kind of know who the person is. Because ultimately, you're not on a staff writer level. If you get in front of the showrunner, they already read your material. They already know that you can write to a certain extent. Um, So it's really more about making a personal connection and and figuring out who this person is and how you factor into the room and those things. Right. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, it's it's all good information because that's one of the things that we try to relay to younger writers out there, Mm -hmm. newer writers out there, that especially in television, it's not all about, I mean, obviously the writing is important, you can't write, you're not going to get in the room, but then because they have to be, everyone has to be around you for 12 hours a day, Mm -hmm. five, six days a week they have to like you. Yeah. I mean, and every showrunner that I've spoken to said they'd rather have a good writer who is a great person than a great writer who is a Mm -hmm. mediocre person. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah. I actually think, um, I listened to a podcast that you did with Jeffrey and Mm -hmm. I think he says on it that he can teach a nice person how to write for the show but he can't teach a not so nice person how to be nice. Right. So, I think it ultimately comes out of that, and it's also like you're literally locked up in a room with these people, right? And you better make sure that the personalities sort of align, mm-hmm. and and you know, it's kind of like a, sh- I don't know, like I sometimes imagine it kind of like a ship out on the sea, and then a crisis hits, and then you want to make sure that everybody is kind of right in line with each other.
0: The old, uh, who do you want in your foxhole?
1: Yeah, yeah. right.
0: Um, now. This being your first season on a show, Mm -hmm. which I watched your episode actually, it was fantastic.
1: Thank you. Well,
0: and I say that because it wasn't just a procedural in the sense of you solve a crime. Because, I mean, that happens in every procedural an episode, you know, that's a crime, pretty much an episode, but there was such this, there was all this, it's moving pieces of, uh, you know, familiar relationships, mm-hmm. of something bigger than your episode going on, you know, with the computer code, mm-hmm. um, the moments, the unexpected moments, like the, the uh, hacker kid, I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Pinzo. Pinzo. Yeah. Um, no. I, I don't. I guess I can spoil it. Can I spoil it? I don't. I, you know. Uh, <laughs> aired, right. They should have watched it. <laughs> um, uh, let's just say that his ending is sort of unexpected. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, it was. Especially for a network show, you, you yeah. expect oh, it's good, you know, and it goes a completely different direction. Yeah. And there's there were actually bigger action scenes than I anticipated, and mm-hmm. you know, it actually so there was a lot of elements to it. Instead of okay, someone got murdered. Let's solve the murder. Right. Um, so I was sort of fascinated um, by how you were able to accomplish so much in
1: such a small amount mm-hmm. of time,
0: forty two minutes or whatever oh, thank it you. was. That's very so, nice of you to say. Yeah, no, and I think that that again so much about procedural TV is okay, we have our you know, our A story, which is mm-hmm. the murder, and then we have our B story, which is relationship between two characters. There we yeah. go. You know, or some other overarching. But there was just so much in That episode. I thought you guys did a a great job.
1: Thank you, thank you. I mean, I think uh, for your
0: first episode. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Well, but I think that the most exciting thing to me is is um, figuring out on a show how you factor in and and what you can bring to the table and and. Um, I was really excited about that relationship with the Pinzo, the hacker, and Patton, one of our kind of usually side characters more. So I was really excited about that, and then finding you, your way to, to bring a little bit of your own heart and soul and blood into that procedural world was, was really fun. And, and another thing that I'll just quickly say, even though you're not asking, is um, <laughs> I co-wrote that episode with the other staff writer, and that was a really incredibly amazing experience. Mm-hmm. While also incredibly intimidating, because now he, um, Zach Strauss is his name, and he was the writer's assistant uh, on NCS New Orleans the year before, and then we were assigned to write the episode together, and as a new person on staff, you're instantly incredibly intimidated, because this person's been there for a year, and he knows it all really well, and he's incredibly uh, uh, great. And, and it was really like a moment of realizing we don't need to compete. Like, we can literally collaborate and work together and, and make it a better episode through that other right. than trying to beat each other out, which was amazing. And and I just wanted to say that because I think it's an important thing to say to staff writers that when you get scared and, and when you think there's a lot of competition or politics or whatever, um, sometimes just focusing on the work is fun.
0: Yeah. No, so great job to yeah. Zach, too. Yeah. Um, good, good job, Zach. <laughs> good job, Zach. <laughs> um, and so what uh, what are some of the things that you learned that you didn't you weren't I don't want to say weren't prepared for, but Didn't really know well because you went through the mentoring program. Yeah. So you would think that they would prepare you for everything, but no one can prepare you for everything. No. Far from it, probably. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the things you learned or have learned so far on your the first half of your season? Um, You guys are shooting what episode now?
1: Um, we're shooting. Oh god, uh, twelve. We're shooting twelve right now, and nine is airing next Tuesday.
0: So you're basically halfway through. Yeah. Yeah your first season. Yeah. How is it, what have you learned since that you didn't know? Something that completely surprised you from the whole process?
1: Um, okay, well, I think, I mean, I was lucky enough that somebody told me a little bit about room politics and how to behave in the room and, you know, if you're a young writer, maybe... Observe more than than pipe up, mm-hmm. and also I think what is incredibly important is to always offer a solution as opposed to just pull a logic thread or say I have a problem with this and right. I can, I don't do that. So I think this is really important. Um, what I've learned, oh my God, it, it's like literally so much that that I'm shell shocked by the question. <laughs> but. Um, huh. I d- what was what was an interesting process for me, and I will say that, is to learn that there's different approaches to writing. Because I, generally, I would find myself a person who is more interested in a character in a specific situation. And then there's writers who go, uh, who think in, like, beats, like, oh my god, there is a an mosquito, and the mosquito has the blood, and the blood ties to Africa, and so we know that the victim was in Africa, or whatever it is. Right. And they build a story around that, and and there's there's just reverse approaches, which I thought was very important for me to learn, and also just to get comfortable with it. I know that, for example, I am not necessarily the fastest thinker in spitballing, because I like to sit back and kind of prepare my answers a little bit. So I started bringing a notepad into the room and write my stuff down as the conversation happens, so I have a little time to formulate my thoughts. That's something that was important. Um, in the writing process, I think um, what I kind of anticipated but what I didn't know until I knew was how much it changes and how flexible you have to be and you know, how, how you have to um, work with production to make things happen. Like an easy example was um, we wrote a scene that revolved around a pit bull and there was like jokes about the breed of the pit bull and la-di-da-di-da-di-da and we had written all of this and then production goes, well, you have a German Shepherd and then you need to rewrite that and, and make it about a German shepherd and come up with German jokes. So that, those kind of situations are interesting. And then on set, like uh, we were, which is incredibly amazing, um, our showrunner sent us to set to cover our own episode, which was fantastic. And there you just learn the politics of, of not overstepping, working with your director without, um, for the lack of a better word, upsetting your directors <laughs> right. or distracting them. And we had an amazing, Elodie Keene, we had an amazing director for our episode. She was incredibly kind to, to involve us and, mm-hmm. and ask questions. And then uh, one of our writers in the room gives us amazing advice. She says, um, if you're covering set and if you think this is wrong, now say it, because in post it will come to haunt you. And, and I think this is a good rule of thumb to go by, so that I learned. Um, what else have I learned? Post is magical. You can do a lot in post, and uh, and it's really fascinating to see the people do their thing. And um, I think those are and then like uh, uh, like the, uh, the the bigger picture thoughts are like don't react, respond if if somebody um, throws something unexpected at you. Sometimes, like. like like whatever it might be, like something that that needs to be done fast or there was a mistake or something needs to be fixed on the fly, or whatever it is, like don't lose your pool. It doesn't do anybody any good. If there's tensions on set, for example, um, don't don't respond in an emotional way
0: yeah um that's good at life in general but yeah.
1: yes yes i was uh, i was talking to my manager about that and he said he says well greta i think in a sense it's good that you're german and you don't have feelings because <laughs> that way you stay cool in those situations and it's like and, and then like take a walk like do your right. thing and if it if it gets too much and you're freaking out or whatever it is like go to the bathroom or take a walk and come back five minutes later and
0: right.
1: be calm and also know that a lot like a lot of people are under a lot of stress
0: Yeah.
1: and and I, I think this goes for your co-workers just the same way as, as anybody on the crew. Um, everybody is working incredibly hard so if somebody snaps, they might not snap because of you. Right. They just have a lot going on and if you can respond to them in a calm way, um, it'll de-escalate the situation.
0: And I think it pays off. People remember that. Yeah. You know, like a family, drama, so to speak, happens. I mean, not everybody gets along all the time, every minute of the day. Uh It's how you handle it Mm -hmm. that really sort of Mm -hmm. dictates that relationship, Mm -hmm. you know. So, like you said, keeping your cool, Mm -hmm. and, and because oftentimes when somebody is sort of, I don't want to say lashing out, but, you know, when they sort of are tense, it may not necessarily even be your fault, Maybe may be something else that happened that they're dealing with right. and they just don't have the time to calm themselves down and say, okay, let's have this conversation. Mm-hmm. It just comes out sharp sometimes and you just have to say, okay, you know, Absolutely. and even if it is about you, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, you make mistakes. So. Yeah. And oh, in,
0: other people make mistakes. Everyone yeah. makes mistakes. So.
1: Yeah. And it, 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 it's, it's actually pretty easy to say, I'm sorry, I clearly screwed up on this one, so let me fix it. Like, it's okay. Right. It's okay to make mistakes. And I think one last thing, as I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. is one thing I learned, and I don't know if this is the right approach, but this is my current approach, is as a staff writer, like, don't... I don't expect to be the person who's writing the Emmy Award winning episode of NCS New Orleans, right. uh, I just tried to to help the showrunner in, in the best way possible and help the crew and, and take a load off of their shoulders every once in a while and, right. and just be flexible and, and do whatever it takes and I think um, by doing so I was I was able to be exposed to some really great learning experiences so it was like a good investment, in a sense.
0: Right. Well, I mean, speaking of the, the Emmy-winning episodes, you know, that's type, you know the episode that is the one when you're breaking the episode, season. Mm-hmm. That, like, that that's going to be the that pinnacle episode of that season. Um, I did feel yours had a lot of heart, and I think a lot of those episodes have yeah, <laughs> touche. <laughs> Com- actually, that was completely pun unintended, but actually it's funny now that you mention it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there were the, all those aspects that you see in those types of episodes. You had those heartfelt moments, the funny moments, the, the you know your standard plot, but also your sort of overarching theme. You had um, the terrorist guy who needed the heart. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to die. Mm-hmm. I actually because I thought that's gonna play somewhere else mm-hmm. in the season.
1: would have been a good idea. But But then we couldn't have used the heart.
0: Right. Um, But then, you know, I thought, wouldn't it be great, as I'm watching this, I thought, wouldn't it be great if the heart was in him and they had, you know, like they were too late and it's actually in him Mm -hmm. and they had to get it out somehow to get to this Mm -hmm. other guy. Which obviously, you know, but then I'm like, well, but that would make him terrible people if he's alive, and they mm-hmm. so you had to make him break, break so all these things. Yeah. So, add, but I'm thinking it would be awesome if they didn't just find it and take it to him. Yeah. Throw another complication, in, and of mm-hmm. course you did that, and you made you did it in the way that I think worked because I'm thinking you can't do that. Cause you can't put a heart in someone and have them. Alive, even if he's the worst person on earth, I say, you know what we're gonna take that back. You know, as you watch as you pull the heart from his chest, right? That's just you know unconscionable. Well, but the way you did it, I'm like, okay, that he's yeah. brain dead. Boom. Okay.
1: Well, and I think, I mean. I think if you if you would place a certain story like this on a on an effects or show they <laughs> yeah, might they, they might do right. it. Right,
0: then it's a little bit and yeah, then you're all bets are off at that point. Yeah.
1: And I think this is also uh, maybe valuable for, for uh, a staff writer to learn and it was definitely an interesting experience for me. It's just to to know my network and know my show and now the tone. And I'm still learning it every day. Like what exactly do we do? Like we have a lot of dark situations with with light moments, mm-hmm. which I always am like I'm, in my head. I'm like, well, how do I? How am I so funny if I'm looking at a dead body? But it's 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 tone of the show, and I think it's important to learn that and realize like what works and what doesn't work. So it's a little bit of a curve.
0: I was talking to Mickey Fisher, um, who is on CBS, and he is sort of. A, a sci-fi guy. Mm-hmm. Now obviously we all have dimensions, but he's sort of categorized as that. When you got into the mentorship program with whatever sample you had, was it a, a pilot or was it a, mm-hmm. a spec? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm eating. <laughs> okay. I'm swallowing my breakfast. Um,
1: <laughs> it was a pilot and the spec script.
0: Okay. And, and so what would you consider your specialty if you had one? You, know, you get, everyone's categorized. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, every writer wants to do different things and not just be right, you know, the person that does, you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, buddy sitcoms, whatever, but
1: right. well I would say I'm definitely more like a, a gritty crime drama person. So the, yeah. the pilot I wrote was about a, a young Latino uh, who, who gets out of prison because he cuts a deal with the feds and then he needs to undercover and form against his own gang. So it was that kind of world and the spec I wrote was The Sons of Anarchy. Oh,
0: yeah, so, so happy, so fun show.
1: Yeah, it, totally. I love <laughs> that show. Yeah. So so I think I'm more like in the the dark effects world where it's gritty and edgy characters and, and crime plots mostly, mm. but not only. So I think that's my, my specialty.
0: So then no. um, what sort of learning curve or just even behavior, behavior shift or maybe thought process shift mm-hmm. did it... You go from that to, like, again, you know, uh, uh, an HBO, FX type yeah. mindset, which is who you are, yeah. to network primetime right. TV.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think it, that goes back to what I was saying about trying to just be the best support for your showrunner and your team, because right. if you you're not going to come in necessarily as the staff writer and say, well, here's what I think we should do this season, right? Or at least you shouldn't. Right. It's not a good idea to do that. Um, you would
0: not be a staff writer had you done that. <laughs> right.
1: So, um, so I think it's more like, um, okay, so we want to tell this story, story X, mm-hmm. and... and here are the certain problems. How can we get from this plot point to this plot point? And that's where you can kind of help. And, and and those are all universal uh, 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 storytelling tools. Because if I if I want to do a story that's really dark and reveals a lot of character and drills into somebody's dark past, it might show in this in this specific show format it might become a story about one of our side characters relating to one of the victims and, and going past that way so so i think you just need to follow the lead of, of the people who teach you and and find the slots of the universal elements of storytelling mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah sorry <laughs> yeah you can't like rip beating hearts out of people's chests and but you can find your version
0: right <laughs> which works a, you know um so do you do your own writing during the season?
1: It's tough it's tough because i I really think that if if somebody gives you um, an amazing opportunity like this you owe them like everything in the right. first in your first born so um, I basically like my days right now I get up at six and I work on emails and do stuff and then I go up to the office and I'm usually, I try to be one of the first ones in and then I'm there until like 6 or 7 and a little bit later sometimes and be one of the last ones out and I come home and I eat and I go to bed. So there's not a lot of writing time. Um, But I think it's important to maybe use the time to procrastinate a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and
0: Percolate ideas.
1: Yes, exactly. So that that if you end up uh, hitting hiatus, mm-hmm. you have a project to work on, and if you end up not being called back or not um, getting another job, you hit the ground running, mm-hmm. and and you can have a next project to single teeth And I think that's important. Right. Um, also, like there's like a whole development clause with contracts, which I this is something I didn't know. Right. Um, you're not allowed to write uh, TV if you're working in TV. And even if you wrote something, you cannot sell it at right. that time. So I
0: think it's, at least from my understanding, it's usually for the first two years. You know, I think it's once you reach a consecutive like story editor, you can, but before that, you can't. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: When I get there, I'll be glad to let you, <laughs> let, I'll let you know. <laughs> right. um, I don't know either, but I know that's like for three years for sure. I don't know what happens after.
0: Right. And there's no guarantees in this town, but obviously being on a show that has fellow, you know, NCIS show and, yeah. you know, shows and uh, the likelihood of it coming back is substantially higher than uh, you know, like a new pilot which you have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Um, does that go into your mindset at all in terms of like future planning?
1: No. Um, <laughs> don't plan anything is, is the short answer. No. Um, well, It does and it does not, I mean, it is a luxury to know that these kind of shows exist season after season, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's so many decisions that factor into you coming back and all these things that I would not count on anything, and it might not be be a personal thing, it might not be a a matter of your performance, it might be a budgetary reason that you're not coming back for. Mm Um, so so the short answer is save all your money and assume that for every year you work, you're going to be one year unemployed. That's my business. Like, that's kind of how I try to do it. Um, and if you think about buying a car or buying a house right. or doing anything like that, do it twice. Just think about it twice right. and maybe wait until you save up the money and don't get yourself in over your head because... When you're a staff writer, like, to me, I was um, I, I was a producer before, and then I took a year off, and I lived a year on my Humanitas grant, which was obviously budgetary, rather tight for a whole year. Um, and then you actually get regular paychecks, and they're pretty decent. Um, I mean, some people <laughs> will laugh at them, but I think they're pretty decent. Right. And then you kind of like go like, oh, hang on, I got a lot of money now, but the truth is, you need to put half of your paycheck away because you need to plan ahead. Right. Yeah, (laughs) like now now I sound like a like
0: a financial planner. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, What was the first thing you did when you found out? You signed on the dotted line, you're going to NCS New Orleans, you got your first job as a staff writer. What was the first thing you did?
1: Um, uh, okay. First of all, I, you don't sign the dotted line until like years later, I think. So so I got a call from my managers giving me the heads up and I think I might have hung up and I, I might have shown more reaction than I ever show and like maybe said something loud in my house. Um, and then I got a call from uh, the showrunner and then I pretended to be super calm, which I was not. Um, and then I wanted to tell everybody. But I didn't because you know I didn't believe it was actually true, so I held off. And then I have like this thing that I that I love to to tease my spouse and, and be terrible. And so I didn't. Uh, so I, I we went to dinner, and then I I didn't tell until at the end, until the very end of the dinner, and that was funny. So yeah, <laughs> it's just my my odd ways. But uh,
0: they yeah. they didn't know it
1: was funny. She didn't know it was right, funny right, until right. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. It was funny for you. It was it was actually hilarious for me and. <laughs> And uh, it was a, it, it, it it then like I am not a very emotional person mm-hmm. to the outside world and so then I like other I let other people be outside excited and, and talk to waiters and, and get excited right. and order drinks and all these things so and then the, there was uh, my friends threw me a surprise party which was incredibly oh, cool. cute yeah. yeah yeah which is like more than, than you'd expect but it's a big deal no
0: absolutely the first episode um yeah. and uh, what are your plans for your hiatus? Um, well,
1: I my mother is turning 60 uh, in, in actually in a month, and I was supposed to go there uh, to Germany uh, right. to visit her, but um, I can't because of the job now, so I'll probably go at that time. Which is, like, we have a very short hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only like four weeks, basically. Really? So, um, yeah, i, I got to use them wisely and i probably have to go to germany for a little while and do that mm-hmm. we'll see how we'll see how it plays out I, again i don't plan anything because you never know what happens right
0: you got to keep on your toes that's that's the great thing about the business that we're in and i think the most difficult thing is oh, yeah. never plan anything but you're always doing something new
1: yeah i, I find it super exciting yeah. it's it's scary and and sometimes I i'm Wondering how people deal with this like insecurity of job security mm-hmm. and financial and creative and all of that, um, but but that's ultimately what keeps it exciting.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Um, where did you watch your first episode?
1: Um, not
0: not obviously when you're screening it and post and stuff, but actually when it airs.
1: Oh, uh, uh, I was at my friend's house. Um, my friend again. My friends are great people, and they they put a little party together. And uh, so we watched it there, and I was incredibly embarrassed. And I was live tweeting, and my friends watched the episode. So
0: was it Zach's first episode too? Yeah. Oh, very. Oh,
1: well, no, no, Zach actually he uh, he co-wrote uh, last season's finale with Jeffrey. Oh. So he had already been on the rodeo once.
0: Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah. Very cool. It was it was great. It was yeah. it
1: was good. We had a good time.
0: Um. So. Uh, you were in the CBS mentor program. You oh. were a uh, winner. Uh, is has TV always been sort of your focus, or have you gone down the feature route? You know, spec features and stuff like that before.
1: I did. The future. I, I well, when I first I knew that I wanted to to work in this industry when I was 14 years old, and so I started writing features back then, and like kept doing that until I. Uh, I came here to, to LA and I kept doing it and kept doing it and then some somehow though like I am rule loving sounds stupid in a creative context <laughs> right. but I like I like act breaks, I like putting making a story very efficient.
0: Sure. And features very <laughs> right. and,
1: and features very often kind of feel like you're taking the scenic route and you're doing a lot of character revealing stuff and all that stuff. So I always kind of struggled with that. And then I got into a workshop at NBC, and, and Karen Horn, who runs the NBC program, was there, and she was saying, like, oh, you guys should totally look into TV. You should sign up for UCLA Extensions right. and do that. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, that sounds fantastic because, right. A, it's more like a job job. It's not like you alone in your underwear writing at your desk. Right. So it's a job job with people because like, I like people, and there's... Tight deadlines and not right. like, oh, I'm gonna get it in whenever. And um, right. and so, so I did what Karen Horn said, and I signed up for classes. And then I was like, oh yeah, TV is, is it. But um, you know, I mean, you you have to kind of find a balance too. I, I'm not I'm not knocking features. I actually like them. Sure. Um, it's just that I feel better at home in TV.
0: Well, and that's something too. It's that they're very different <laughs> beasts, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh, and not saying that one is better than the other, because right. there's great TV and great television. Yes. Um, it's just... But, I mean, there are, you can have different personality types, and you yeah. sort of need different personality types for each one. Yeah. And not to say that one person can't be successful in both, because it's obviously happened right. on many occasions, but I think you, their writers would be happier in one or the other, whether yeah. they like to go off and just do their own thing, or whether they like to be in a group, yes. whether they like that sort of... Three months from now Deadline Or whether it's like We have to have this episode right. You know right, right. Lock the pages Ready to go You know yeah. In two days Absolutely You know So I think there's Different personality types That would enjoy that Although again Great writing is great writing but Right
1: Yeah Well and I also like I also love production And, yeah. and I love uh, sitting there and going through a script and trying an eleventh hour figuring out what impacts production what changes need to go to the offices now so that they can do this stuff right. and, and I like that kind of work just because I've done it before um, in my old job and, and I like being involved in as a feature writer you're technically not. Right. You're going away into your hole where you came from the moment the director takes the script. And especially as a newer
0: writer in, in, in features. Sometimes you're even lucky to be invited to the set. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they may take the script away and get someone else to rewrite it. Sometimes, right. you know, the director doesn't want the writer on the set. I mean, yeah. any number of things can happen. Whereas on TV, it's much, generally, it depends on your show writer. Yeah. But it can be much more inclusive. You work not only with the other writers, but sometimes with the director yeah. and different people on set. Definitely. Um, so it's a whole different,
1: you know. Yeah. It's, it's very, uh, and, and especially on this show, which I love, is like it's very communal and everybody helps each other out and, and we're a really close-knit group and, and whenever you need somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. you can, which right. is great. So, yeah, that's why I like it.
0: And um, I know you have to head up to the oh offices the, the, the writers room um, so I just wanted to wrap up may, do you have any sort of, of advice for writers both in terms of maybe a, a tidbit of writing advice like mm-hmm. how do you get a, overcome writer's block although some people say there isn't such thing you know whatever some writing tip that you use and then maybe one that for specifically getting a job or getting representation you know you know in mm-hmm. that sense
1: um Well I think for for in terms of getting a job, the advice would be to treat it like a job. Um, So you need to educate yourself, you need to read books, there's a lot of books on how to give good meetings and and you need to research people and you need to research who's connected to whom and, and you need to go on drinks like it's a 24 hour job. To network and and present your best uh, yourself in the best light, um, and also figure out what your sales pitches like. I think that's very important to get a job. Um, in terms of writing advice, um, that's a little tougher. I would say there's two things. Uh, one, like always, remember why you're doing it. Because every once in a while, it doesn't feel like fun anymore. Right. And, and then you're like, why am I doing this? And then you're losing your talent, in a sense. So that's right. the If there's not t-
0: passion behind the words, they will know. Right. It, it will come across. And after. you can
1: always find that within. You can find that little thing that you feel very passionate about mm-hmm. and make the rest revolve around it. Um, and the other thing that I just and this is really exciting. I'm just listening because I'm having this two-hour commute. I'm listening to Stephen King on writing. Oh wow! And he um, he speaks in his book. It's like partially advice on for novelists and partially advice for, for like his biography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And 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 he had a terrible alcohol addiction and drug addiction, and he basically drove away, like drove away his whole family. Um, but he had this ginormous um, desk, executive desk that he was working on. And his advice was um, later on, after he, he became sober, he was like, don't put your big executive desk in the middle of your life. As in saying um, art is a support to life, not the other way around. And, and, and there's other things that matter. Because I think you need, you need a network of same people around you, family, friends, partners, all these people. Otherwise, you go crazy. Right. So I think that's my two cents of sort of wisdom.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's a great way. Cryptic
1: to put wisdom it st- no, stolen from Stephen King.
0: Right. Well, hey. And don't yeah. steal. Yeah, don't steal, <laughs> especially from Stephen King. Right. Exactly. No, but it's accredited, right? So it's it's homage.
1: I right. It's me saying I really liked hearing that. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you, Greta, for.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Fun. This is exciting. Absolutely.
0: No, it'll be fun. And uh, so, be sure. What's your What's your Twitter handle?
1: Uh, Greta Heineman.
0: Greta Heineman. Greta, yeah. Greta. I mean, we have your page yeah. on yeah. the scripps so site, so inside you find your all your stuff. Um, and check us out at scripps-grads. Com. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. Everyone I roll with Gunning for the top spot The opposite of hopeless My flow is the dopest Of anyone in showbiz No more riddling I'm still so focused So how'd I blow up so quick? Because I got the type of rhymes And keep it cracking like a glow stick I'm